Let's begin now. You know, today, I just woke up, and I like said, this. you know, instead of waiting on a good day, waiting around, through ups and downs, waiting on something to happen, I just said, Hello and welcome back to the Loyal Sons Podcast. That's at the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here for pit sports content you won't want to miss. If you love championship football and hate the binary system of targeting penalties, this is the place for you. The Loyal Sons Podcast. A safe, sunshiny place for your ACC Coastal Champion Pit Panther fix. Today, as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Dylan and Squid. Dylan and Squid, how are we feeling on this beautiful day? Like champions, because we are. On cloud nine, what else can I say? It was uh, just a special, special weekend to be a Pittsburgh Panther. Yes, the Pitt Panthers, um, as, I'm, as I'm sure those of you listening know, uh, had a pretty big program win on Saturday. We beat uh, Virginia to take the ACC Coastal Crown, which means in two weeks we will be playing in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina against whichever sorry SOBs the uh, Atlantic Conference spits out at us um, for the rights to the Atlantic Conference Crown. Um Huge win over Virginia, high-scoring game, 48-38. to uh, Didn't necessarily start out in Pitt's favor. About three plays in, what appeared to be a three-and-out was uh, overturned on a targeting call on the straw that stirs the drink of Pitt's defense, Servassier mm-hmm. Dennis. Uh, what, what do we make of that call that early in the game? To sum it up, uh, the gentleman who was sitting in front of me, who was a nice guy, turned around and told me to like relax because I was booing too loudly right in his ear. <laughs> like, all right, it's gonna be a long game if this is how we're uh, reacting already. Oh yeah. Soon as soon as he said that, I was like, hey buddy, you're in a, for a long, you're in the <laughs> wrong section because if you think we're not gonna boo that a uh, target call to extend the drive on the first drive of the game, it, you're out of your mind. So I take it we weren't a fan. Uh, no, the, I mean I I just hate the rule in general um, to take a guy that's just such a <clears throat> integral part of the team. Take him out on on a play that's really bang bang like that. It, I mean I think everyone hates this rule. Um, and you know as soon as that happened, I was worried because uh, Voss really is just um, special talent. And like you said, stir the uh, the, the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was a big... I, I think Pitt did miss him. I think there were a few plays very clearly that Pitt missed him on. One in particular down by the goal line. Um, quick little pass play the end zone to Thompson. Uh, Brandon George didn't get there quick enough, and it turned into a touchdown. But when you're missing a guy, 
playmaker like that in the middle, um, it really hurts. But luckily, Pitt was able to overcome. But yeah, targeting sucks. Uh, the one on Brandon Hill sucked, and he'll miss the first half next week, um, which sucks. Yeah, I think the one on Hill was a worse call. Uh, the one for Dennis, he at least say their helmets made contact. Should be ejected. I'm not going to get into the whole spiel. But those both sucked. Thankfully, we survived without Dennis. Thankfully, Syracuse is a pretty piss-poor uh, passing team, so missing Brandon Hill for a half shouldn't make all that much of a difference. He's good in the run game, but of all the games to miss Brandon Hill, the Syracuse games might be the one. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll have uh, Dennis back, but not having that, not having him in that entire game, I mean, it was it was noticeable to have his presence in the middle of the field missing. Um, if you go by the letter of the law, taking all of the context out of, you know, the situation, do I think that was probably technically a targeting? Yeah, probably. I, I don't think that the refs were out to get us because there's some secret ACC cabal against those goddamn Yankees up north. Oh, there is. There is. <laughs> South will rise again. Um, but I, it's just one of those situations where I do think refs should take context in, into play, um, you know, I I think every time there's one of these huge reviews, refs need to ask themselves, "Am I making this about me?" Don't make this about you. There's if you want to, you know, go by the letter of the law in the rule book. Did Dennis engage with the head of that receiver across the middle? Probably. Was it unforgivable to take a team's best defensive player uh, out of a game because his arms might have made contact with the head or neck area of a player um, on a very bang-bang play in a clear attempt to break up a third down pass? I think that's unforgivable, you know, when you look at it that way. Because his that hit did not deserve to miss an entire football game. And I think that's why, you know, so many people are calling for the uh, the targeting rules to be amended to include, you know, 15-yard penalty, no ejection, or, or some lesser punishment for when players are in earnest not trying uh, to put people in stretchers, but just trying to make a play and, you know, making contact head-to-head by accident. That's enough about the referees. Let's talk about our good friend, guest of the pod, should-be Blutnikov winner, any more nicknames he deserves? Jordan Addison. She loved Jordan. She loved ESPN Jordan. ESPN Jordan. <laughs> All that. I mean, what What else? Can, what can you really say about his performance other than... It was welcome. because of us. It, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you come on the pod, you go out and have a career day. That's all there is to it. Right. So, uh, any, any other, uh, you know, pit receivers, skill players, defensive backs, coaches, want to hop on, just, you know, proof is in the pudding. But... I mean, yeah, he sealed sealed uh, first team All ACC, probably first team All American. Should be the Bill Litnikoff Award winner, and any other award that you can give that kid. I mean, he. I don't know how many games I've seen in my life. I watched a lot of football where a receiver just kind of single handedly took over a game. Um, you know, Pickett completed. 26 passes, and 14 of those went to Jordan Addison. I mean, they knew where the ball was going, and they still couldn't cover it. Yeah, that that stat line is cartoonish. Uh, 14 receptions, 202 yards, 4 touchdowns. 
um, and and really kind of bailed Pickett out on what was a, a pretty questionable pass there at the end, and you know took it off the corner and took it to the house. Uh, you you can't say enough nice things about the way Jordan Addison is playing right now. Um, I mean, really, and, and obviously. You heard the way he spoke last week. The kid deserves it. He's a hard worker, and and he's he's really earned earned this. And and he came to Pitt, uh, knowing he had an opportunity to make an impact uh, right off the bat. And the unspoken of that, obviously, is that we've not had a ton of receiver talent the past couple years. And he knew he could kind of exploit that fact. And he's really revolutionized the offense. I think you know, all credit to Kenny, but. To have that kind of weapon. Speaking of revolutionizing the offense, how awesome and crazy are Mark Whipple's third and short and fourth and short play calls? The disparity between the intelligence exemplified on those two downs is unbelievable. It's like, I remember on the first uh, fourth down touchdown of the game, I saw Pickett drop back on fourth and short and throw it deep, and I'm like, we just needed a yard. We just needed two yards, and we ran it on third, and or we passed it on third and short. And we passed it on fourth and short again. But hey, it works. I don't know how. He saves all of his creativity. Actually, I know how because we have Jordan Addison and Kenny Pickett. So right. let the players make plays. I respect it. You look stupid if it doesn't work, but it's been working. Kenny makes that man look like a genius. So it wasn't always a stress-free game. We had Jordan Addison to put it away, but uh, Brennan Armstrong came out slinging it and looked significantly tougher than I expected because I think we all had an idea of what it was going to look like. He was going to take a couple shots and crumble. He hung in there. I mean, what? How many passing yards did he have? It looks like... Uh, 487. 487. Yeah, 36-49, three touchdowns. Um, was he just fine the whole time? I don't know how was that... Was just a big charade by Bronco Mendenhall to full pit to think he wasn't going to play? I mean, there's there's no way that was a guy with broken ribs out there unless he, they shot him up with every pain med they could find. And he threw the ball 50 times. It looks like they shot him up with kryptonite. Wait, no, kryptonite is the bad stuff. What's the stuff that turns Superman into Superman? Phone booth? I don't know. <laughs> the cape? Yeah, just Brandon Knight was Superman to me growing up, so I don't know what you're talking about. I think I'm mixing up my my superhero origin stories because I almost just said, "Yeah, he got bitten by that radioactive spider." <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they injected him with, but <laughs> he might have gone. I, I needed that yesterday. I'll say that. Yeah, whatever he had. Get, let me get some of that. But I mean. They exploited Pitt's defense, and I really uh, wasn't expecting him to be able to come out and sling it like that. But credit to him. He's a hell of a quarterback, um, and it was a fun game. Uh, Pitt, obviously, we've we've said it for a while. You know, They can be exploited by good quarterbacks, but they made just enough plays yesterday for, for them to come out with, with the W. And, you know, uh, it wasn't, was never going to be easy, but that... That was a little more stressful than, than I had anticipated. The line got all the way up to 15 and a half before the game. So I thought for sure Armstrong was out or someone had some type of inside information. Uh, that was that was a little bizarre. Were any of you worried about a uh, Houston bowl game reoccurrence? Uh, Armstrong drives down, they score, get an onside kick and score again. 
Because I know the guys in our section were saying that Jordan Addison should have fell out the one-yard line on his last crazy catch. So Virginia had no chance to win the game. We could just kneel it out. No, we're up 10 with like, what was it, like a minute 50 left, something around there. Like, yeah, could they? It's not going to happen. Also, if you're a 20 year old kid who just went Super Saiyan on oh. national TV, you weren't you, you might not have the presence of mind to be like, oh, after I just absolutely mossed this dude and broke away to steal the ACC Coastal Championship, I should go down at the one. That's what I'm gonna do. Like, do I want to be on Sports Center for this crazy catch and a touchdown, which would be my fourth of the game, or just go down at the one so we get kneeled a couple times? I uh, I would not have. I don't think anyone in their right mind would have gone down, but it worked out. It's what you're supposed Playing to do. Playing offense like Virginia, like, it's what's pit in a big game. I'd be pissing my pants over an onside kick if Virginia got on the ends of that last drive. It's technically what you're supposed to do if you're in Jordan Addison's yeah. shoes, but I, I don't know how we could get upset at him in that situation for not doing it. Like I saw a few people online, like. Go up two scores. Let, let your defense make a stop. <laughs> Which they did. And, and, and by the way, why did Virginia not kick that field goal? It would have been, what, a 35, 40-yard field goal, minute and some change left, get the onside kick and score. That's way too big a risk to go for it on fourth down. Fourth and two. Um, you know, looking at the game recap right now on YouTube. Fourth and two probably felt like they... Had some momentum rolling down the field. Only a minute twenty left. Um, you know, I can see. You know, that might might feel like your best chance to get a touchdown, and then try to get an onside kick back and kick a field goal. But like you said, hindsight twenty twenty, and they didn't. They didn't do it. Pitt made the plays, and ultimately we came out victorious. That's a crazy thing. We gave up like five hundred passing yards, but it still felt like the defense made some big stops. Yeah, I mean, they they let them throw the ball all over the field, but. I mean, I feel that's kind of been the story a lot this year is, you know, play good enough for the offense to win you the game. Defense stepped up last week against UNC. Mm-hmm. They really did step up and win pit that game on Thursday last Thursday night. And this week it was uh, the offense stepping up. And that's just how this team's been all year. We've we've seen that they can win in multiple ways, and that's why they're 9-2 and two right now. Because the, if there are deficiencies in one area, uh, the other aspects of the, of the team can step up. If I were a Virginia fan, I'd... I'd be pretty sick over it because that's all you need to do against Virginia is make a couple stops and you know they're off it, that Virginia's defense is going to give up as many points as you can score. Um, you know, I don't I don't think this team is going anywhere, but they need to figure something out defensively because their window is as long as Brendan Armstrong plays for them. Yeah, I mean their defense is flat out embarrassing. <laughs> that was yeah, pretty pretty bad. They did get to Kenny a few times, admittedly, um, but at the end of the day, all it did was make the story of Kenny staying in that game uh, all the more glorious on our end. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. Mm. How I can't believe we've gone this long without making this about Pickett, first of all, um, but how gutsy was that performance from him? He got shaken up a couple times, and he... He refused to say die, and he stayed in the game and was able to ice it for us. That drive was so ridiculous. It starts off, it's like, very big drive. Need to go down and get points. Uh, and then Pickett gets hurt. Uh-oh, that's terrible. 
Uh, Nick Patty comes in. Does a Joe Flacco. Yeah, we get bailed out on maybe the worst pass interference of all season. And that was the same drive that Virginia jumped off sides on a field goal. Opportunistic. Pitt yeah. was opportunistic on that drive. Anytime, anytime Kenny's shaken up, I, I, my heart sinks into my stomach. You kind of feel everyone in that stadium just really, uh, you know, really air kind of went out for a second until Kenny got up and walked it off. Uh, that was that was unnerving, to say the least. But to have him come back in, you know, it, as long as he can walk, he's going to be in the game. He's not going to. Just too tough, tough as nails. What He's was the Jeff Trom quote from uh, the XFL? Do I have a pulse? Yes. Yeah. So I'm playing football today. Um, that's Kenny. Anytime he suits it up. So, uh, I mean, 340 yards, four touchdowns last game in Heinz Field. I, I may have shed a tear or two watching Kenny walk out there for Senior Day. That was, that was. Uh, I mean, that's how it should have ended with with Kenny getting to raise a trophy in the middle of a Heinz Field. I watched the DVR game on Sunday afternoon, and I got emotional watching Kenny take a bow after that last Jordan Addison touchdown. What a send-off for a hero. And that whole trophy ceremony, uh, that was awesome. I didn't really think of it too much because the last time it happened, they were in Winston-Salem and were just like hooting and hollering in the locker room. Narduzzi getting the crowd going. It was like a WWE hype man <laughs> yelling hail to Pitt. I was I was ready to run through a brick wall. Yeah, for Coach Dews, that was a special moment. Uh, that's you know what you look forward to as a fan, your team being able to raise a trophy in your home stadium, last home game of the year. Um, what a great feeling! And we're not done yet. Yeah, Narduzzi's um, recent acknowledgement that this is a program that needs. A uh, an augmented fan experience is very cool and kind of funny. We've really seen him embrace the Panther Pit this year, and I think it's part of an overall push to help build Pitt's brand. But uh, the Panther Pit's been rocking this year. Uh, attendance otherwise has... Um, well, we don't have to get into that. All you have to do is scroll Pitt Twitter for two seconds to see people complain about the non-student... Uh, support Pitt is getting in this city, uh, but I, I just love to see Narduzzi kind of taking it upon himself to, you know, help make the crowd a factor. I'm, I'm so sick of the attendance talk. It's yeah. just so old, and, like, it's... Just stop beating the dead horse. Um, we know what Pitt's fan base is about. Uh, we know the type of support they get, and those 45,000 fans that were there, or whatever it may have been announced last Saturday... They were loud, and they were into the game. And it was a fun atmosphere. I don't care what anyone says about empty seats in the upper bowl. Uh, the the fan, the crowd was great, plain and simple. Several uh, forced timeouts, false starts. crowd was good, and, you know, people who showed up to Heinz Field had a good time, and that's what matters. Easy to have fun when you're winning. Winning is fun. Confirmed. Winning is fun. I had fun. Which is why we beg so heartily for it. Please. I guess we should start thanking thank you. Should we start thanking Pitt for winning? We can thank Pitt after we raise that ACC championship trophy. I mean, it's Thanksgiving week. I'm thankful for a Coastal Championship. But still, please beat Syracuse. 
please get the tenth win, and we'll go from there. Please keep winning. Pick it on fourth and four. Got away from one man. Into the back of the end zone, wide open touchdown. Jordan Addison lost his defender, and it's an 18-yard score. Now is time for a new segment. Uh, Each game we will be awarding uh, one special play that really makes the day for the Pitt Panthers. Uh, And in honor of Servassier Dennis's really just incredible quote last week after the UNC game, uh, we are honored to bring you the Servassier Dennis Memorial nut-up play of the game. Gentlemen, I think it is obvious um, who who the the nuts are going to this week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jordan Addison on his final touchdown, that just being a grown man. It's a definition of nutting dropping, up. Dropping your nuts. So, hey, the game's in the line. I'm going to take it. There's nothing you need to stop me. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more we can say about it, but um, a really, really questionable ball uh, from from Pickett that under most circumstances should have been picked. In fact, for the TV viewing audience, it looked like Addison legitimately took a ball that was already intercepted out of the hands of the the um, the cornerback. However, upon you know instant replay, you can see that he just beat him to it, um, and then and then to take that home. But I also want to want to shout out uh, give give a little half nut to uh, Daniel Carter for mm. that that block to protect Kenny, give him enough time to find Addison. Oh, so he gets the Lance Armstrong Award of the week. Yeah, great block. Play doesn't happen if Daniel Carter doesn't make the play, and that's a guy who came in here as like a four star running back from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, obviously has bought in and has embraced this transition to fullback. Um, they've used him as kind of like an H-back at times, as blocker, catching some passes out of the backfield. And, you know, that's just that's a program guy. You need guys like that who will buy in, uh, change positions. You know, he could have transferred somewhere else, tried to play running back somewhere else, but instead he bought in here, and he's making big-time plays that help you win championships. Also, go back and watch the play and watch Gavin Bartholomew. Mm. Getting out front to set a, set a block. The block ultimately wasn't needed because Jordan Addison, fast guy on the team, 99 speed. He told us that last week. But Bart was with him step for step. I mean, that tube was flying. And I think we mention him every week, but Gavin Bartholomew, absolute stud, future first-round tight end. Absolutely. Um, do you guys have any honorable mentions for the Sarasia Dennis Memorial nut-up play of the game? I had one in mind, but I'd, I'd like to hear from you guys. I'd like to give one to uh, Rodney Hammond on his one-yard touchdown yeah, because was that was about the toughest one yard you could possibly run for. Um, I didn't believe that he got in. I didn't think he got in either. Oh, I thought that was getting overturned for sure. Thought he got stuffed, and but every it seems like every week he just has runs. It's he runs so hard. He, Think he's stopped, think he's stuffed. He's listed at 175 pounds, but he runs like he's 220. Yards once it looks like it's over, and he's a freshman, and he's not all that huge, so. He's tough as nails, yeah. and he, he loves Pitt. He's yeah. quickly becoming my favorite press conference interview. Uh, just oh, strictly he's electric. <laughs> he's electric, and he he ices more games than you know just about anybody. More than the ice tub. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I I had in mind um, 
Izzy finally showed us what he can do with a little bit of uh, open space. Oh, that yeah. that kick return. I think he hit the twenty five, and I went, "Oh, this one's going." He, I mean, he's a tough runner and he's very patient, so we never get to see him at full gallop. But that was that was something impressive to see. A little bit worried because we didn't see much of him after that. I don't know if he uh, pulled up on something, but. I mean, that's that's simply what we have been waiting for from him. I think it's an awesome decision to put him at a kickoff returner. Imagine being a gunner and seeing that guy running full speed at you. Do you want to, like, plug a hole and, like, throw your body at that guy going full speed? Absolutely not. And it's a dislocated shoulder written all over it. <laughs> and if we're going to mention the, those two running backs, we have to... We do. We have to. We give, do. Give him his due. Vincent Davis, 12 carries, 100 yards. Good job, kid. You earned it. Really impressive game. Someone someone in that backfield had to step up in the second half with, you know, Izzy apparently banged up or something. Um, and Vincent Davis knocking down about 10 yards a carry is, is as good as it gets. Sign me up for that every week. 14-14, Farrell will kick it off. And on the field to play from the two. It'll be taken out by Izzy. 25, still on its feet at the 35-40. Izzy's at the 10, and Izzy's gone. 98 yards for Izzy, the sophomore from Brooklyn. On this week's edition of Mount Washington, we're going to go through the Mount Washington of people pit fans hate. That's right. All the players, coaches, administrators, anyone else involved with college sports that we cannot stand. This is going to be cathartic. How we determine the uh, order this week? Since we never think of this beforehand. Uh, Who watched the Pitt-Virginia game the most amount of times over the weekend? All right, this sounds like you setting yourself up to get the first pick. I mean, How many times, John? I watched it live, I watched the condensed game, and I watched the DVR version of it with a majority of the commercials, so I got like the real effect. I watched it live in the condensed game, so twice. I think we're going to tie there. So, uh, I, I should get second pick because I was not able to make the game, and it hurt my feelings to miss out, so I need a small win. I'd argue that that should disqualify you for not being there, but I'll give you two. So how'd you watch the game? Uh, in a cabin in Deep Creek, um, and on most of it on a TV, but also um, on my lap, uh, on my phone during my girlfriend's family's Thanksgiving dinner. That's dedication. I give you the second pick. Thank you. You went through a lot to get pit into your life. I, I I risked ruining that relationship to watch Pitt beat Virginia. And for that, you are awarded with pick two in our Let's go. Washington. So all right, Squid, so kick us off. Okay, one one. This is a very very good draft class. Best crop in years. Yeah, I am going to go. See, we talked about this a little bit before, who we think 1-1 one, one is going to be. I'm going in a different direction than what we previously discussed. Oh. This is a person whose name I won't even say, other than rare occasions, and it is happening right now. 
Scotty Reynolds. Ugh. Fuck that guy. I know oh. it. <laughs> I knew it. He was my 1-1 one, one as well. Really? Yeah. He, well, he's the first name that came to mind. Let's just put yeah. it that way. That, that name will forever live in infamy in the world of pit sports. It gives me PTSD. Uh, it ruins what should have been a very great moment of my life. And, like, the basketball teams, too, but... It hurt me more than that. Haven't been the same. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I didn't see that coming, but um, I think that's a great pick, John. Uh, one I did see coming that I, I think is a real... Like a, like a Chase Young-level steal at number two mm-hmm. uh, is James Franklin. Yeah. Hurt me to pass him up, but... That guy's face alone makes my blood boil. Quick question to you guys. Um... So the coaching carousel really heating up in college football. Um, would you rather the Penn State program be thrown into the chaos of having to find a new coach in a very, very crowded um, field right now? There's so many top-notch programs looking for a coach and really not a huge number of really great coaches uh, that are looking for a job. So would you rather they be thrown into that chaos or stick with a coach that has consistently underperformed and uh, as of recent and is 10 and 9 in the last 19 games and but, like two but, and but they win the attendance title and the recruiting title every you're year right, so you're right. 10 and state yeah. 10 and state yeah t-shirts on the way um, well I mean I don't know if, if Franklin leaves who's gonna who's gonna polish the turnstiles at Beaver Stadium every weekend Jay Paterno I'm sure some uh, some Kool-Aided out crony would be happy to do that. <laughs> to answer your question, I, I'd probably be fine either way. I kind of like to see him leave because, um, at least with Franklin, they have some stability and they can they're going to be able to recruit with him there. Unfortunately, um, but seeing him lose to every top ten team he plays is it's a good consolation. A good consolation. I agree. I I would love to watch uh, Penn State fans be faced with a very harsh reality if a program that hasn't been successful in like 15, 20 years just walked in and poached their head coach even though they are very convinced that they are the upper echelon of collegiate football, I think it'd be very satisfying. Um, But yeah, not a huge fan of that guy. Um, Ass clown. A lot of... (laughs) But he's he's the gift that keeps on giving, so I kind of want him at Penn State. You know, every time he calls a terrible fourth down play with the game on the line, and then jumps in the stands to try to fight a fan, <laughs> he's the best. All right, I guess I have pick number three and four here. So those were definitely my top two. So it's, it puts me in a tough position, but um, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go one player here. I don't want to go two players. Um, so first I'm going to go Marty Gilliard. Um, don't kick it to him. 2009 against Cincinnati. Please don't kick it to Marty Gilliard. What do we do? We kick it to Marty Gilliard. It was, uh, I mean, he is, in my eyes, uh, the, the basketball, or the football equivalent to Scotty Reynolds. Obviously not the exact same stakes, um, not as memorable, but I mean, yeah. it, it's essentially it's essentially the football equivalent. So that's a tough one. Um, and then on the turnaround, I'm gonna go Scott Barnes, the man who was responsible for hiring Kevin Stallings, 
which has snowballed into the absolute demise of the once storied Pitt basketball program. I, you know, I, I wanted to maybe even pick Stallings here, but it's not his fault. He couldn't coach worth shit. Yeah. It was Scott Barnes hiring him through his buddy or whatever connection they had and giving him this massive buyout that has put spiral pit basketball into the state we are currently Yeah, in. it was like his buddy's search firm was buddies with Stallings and, hey, hey go coach a pit, even though you're going to get fired from your old gig. Hey, I mean, if I was offered VP of the company I work for, I would accept it. <laughs> I mean, the company would be crashed in about two weeks, but I'm not turning down that paycheck in that corner office. So, like, you, you can't blame Stallings. You can. Well, you, yeah. <laughs> like, be a better basketball coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just come with that slide. Uh, okay. Um, all right, I'm, I'm just going to take one that I know one of you two will snag if I let it go to the next round. Todd Graham. Yeah. Absolute scumbag. Fraud Graham. Todd Graham takes the pit coaching position, r- rants and raves about it being his dream job, and then bolts for an inferior program within a year. On one hand, you know, do I hate Todd Graham for the scumbag snake oil salesman he is? Absolutely. The one positive is of the, him leaving was... We didn't have to have Todd Graham as our football coach anymore. <laughs> Dodged a bullet. He's currently uh, coaching out of Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, and they are 5-7 and seven this year. 2-5 and five in the Mountain West. So, uh, not, not that he was stuck around this long anyway, but let's, no. let's just be happy he was gone. But yeah, no. It's, hop, on the wife, hop on the plane with his wife, Penny, and uh, never look back. Yeah, that picture is seared in my brain. To his credit, though, you know, obviously two inferior programs, I, I believe, but um, the guy did get to go from the Great Lakes to Tempe, Arizona, and then to Hawaii. He did it through futility. That's kind of cool. Don't don't you start yeah. complimenting talk around here. It's... <sighs> Next pick. All right. I mean, Dylan touched on this one. Uh, Kevin Stallings. Yeah. Horrible coach. Probably the worst recruiter I've ever seen. The quality of player he brought in was, like, astoundingly bad. I'll never forget, every time Bit would get to commit, I would have, like, searched the deep web to find, like, the rivals and recruiting, like, highlight tapes of the guys we were getting. Like, I thought they were just made-up players. They were, like, that, like, unsought after. All the guys transferred to, like, South Alabama and, like, yeah. Weaver State. Like, none of them transferred to play. Well, okay. Ryan pa- Luther. Par- yeah, yeah, yeah. Ryan Luther did. Parker Stewart and uh, Marcus Carr both played big-time college basketball. Still yeah. are. But the rest of those guys went and played, like, low major. And just... As bad as you think this team is this year, I promise you that team would have got smoked by this year's roster. Yeah. Kevin Stallings was good for two things. Uh, his son is a good catcher in the MLB, and I won a lot of money betting against his Pitt Panthers basketball team. Uh, yeah. That's your boy. I think the funniest thing it's about... It's about groceries in college. I think the funniest thing about uh, Stallings leaving the program is that the players actually 
really liked him, and uh, they went to Heather Lake and say said, you know, why wouldn't we consult on this if, if Stallings goes, we goes. And I think the general consensus, maybe not from Heather Lake, but from fans of Pitt was, well, don't let the door hit you on yeah. the way out. Yeah, I think Heather Lake said... All right, well, uh, that's fine. You can like him, but we're not keeping him. So yeah. who else might you like? Also, I don't want to uh, let Squid's comment about him betting against the Panthers while he was in college. Uh, you know, you were a student athlete at UPJ. I think we're about to retroactively get some of those cross-country wins uh, vacated. What cross-country wins? <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your next one? Right, we were attempting the Peace Act one year, so take that from us if you must. Um... I have to ask if this is allowed. Can I take all of the annoying white guy shooters on Syracuse, or do I have to pick just one? I think we can allow that. I yep, you can have. Yeah, okay. That's creative enough that you should be rewarded for it. I initially thought, man, Buddy Beheim, he pisses me off nowadays. He might make my list. I'm like, well, I mean, they had Trevor Cody, and that guy's face was so punchable. And he Andy Routens, Andy Routens, like McNamara. McNamara, I respect. But when he was a player, he was, like, annoyingly good. And there was probably, like, seven or eight other annoying white guy shooters that Syracuse had that uh, made me swear at the TV over the years. So I'm going to combine all of them into one and make them my third pick. I, I've been waiting on this one as long as I could. I didn't think you would allow me to get allow it to get back to me. Um, arguably number one for me overall. Joe Paterno. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't want to take two Penn State coaches, but like, how how, are, how do you have those two <laughs> unlikable of figures that close together? I know he's. I mean, I don't need to get into this. We all we all know why Joe Paterno is a scumbag. But what what makes it worse is the yeah ref- because he wouldn't schedule Pitt. Yes, that is the one and only reason. <laughs> no, but uh, what what really does it for me, even posthumously, is like the fierce defense of his legacy. That's the worst. The yeah. four hundred nine bumper stickers. The like the the older generation. Spare me. The older generation of of Pitt fans hated Joe Paterno because he so consistently coached a better football team than we had, and then our generation is more privy to the. Well, he didn't know. Joe knew. He he reported it. He did everything uh, he needed to. You guys? Yeah. 409. Where's the Joe Paw statue? <laughs> <laughs> Gathering dust in a basement. Okay. Um, now to me for the turn. Oh, you guys took some really good ones. Uh, not loving my... Well, not loving my chances with with the pool this week, but I'm going to swing for the fences a little bit with these last couple. Um, I'm going to go wrong, Cook. <sighs> no! I thought that was going to be yours, David. No. Whenever you didn't take him there, I thought I might have a chance. And do I really even have to explain this? I mean, didn't vote for Fitz. Uh, does everything in his power to cry about the Pitt program. Just overall loser. I mean, come on. He wrote an article after Pitt's biggest win in a few years that was basically, hey, remember that time that I didn't vote for Larry Fitzgerald and the Heisman? Here's why it's Pitt's fault. Yeah, I mean, 
whatever. Miserable reporter. If, if that's that's what he wants to spend his time writing about, but it's gonna sure will earn him a spot on my Mount Washington. Um, and then the last one, I mean, there's so many on this list, so I'll probably name a couple in the honorable mentions. Oh yeah. I... Um, and there's there's so many. I mean, we kind of already touched on this one. Oh, now I don't know which direction I want to go with it. So I'm just gonna go with it. Attendance state fans on Twitter. And by attendance state, not only am I saying Penn State fan, but everyone who every single time something happens with the Pitt football program, they all have to come out of the woodwork and just have to make a comment about the attendance. Well, even look at all they, those yellow seats. Even when they lose the Pitt Illinois, had a yellow out. Pitt lose. They lose the Illinois. And, you know, Pitt jockeys their way into like front front of their division, like making a run, and oh, there was this many empty seats. Dude, who cares? Who cares? You you take your turnstile championship and your seven and four record and shove it up your ass. Could have said it better myself. Alright, I'm done. But I, I like how my uh, second round went. I think I could I could win this poll on Twitter with my honorable mentions alone. We we left a lot on the board. I guess we're just a very hateful uh, group of fans, and I, I I think that happens when you become jaded after years of the universe trying to kill you. Um, my last one, I'm actually having there there are three I really want to go with um, ahead of like the other six on my list, but uh, this one I I think I have to go with Steve Peterson. Yeah, so uh, that was. Borderline who I was going to take on that last one, but... Steve Peterson, the athletic director that uh, tore down Pitt Stadium and uh, took away the Pitt script. And val- like valiantly fought to like prevent us from going back to the script. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying I, I blame uh, Peterson for the failings of the football program in the you know last however many years, but there are a lot of Pitt fans that do. There's a lot of people that see direct correlation um, between the collapse of our football program and the demolition of Pitt Stadium. And, and so for that, I, I think, you know, they've got to acknowledge some of that ire. I thought I was going to sneeze. <laughs> I didn't mean to cause a scene, but... John is now so fired up about his next pick that he's standing over us, and it's making us both very uncomfortable. This one works me a lot. I don't think this will be on your list. It might have been on your honorable mentions list because this was a player who he faced, I believe, only one time in this player's entire playing career in college sports. But that one game was so infuriating. His actions were so infuriating. It makes me despise him to this day. And that made us Matt Howard from Butler Basketball. Oh, my God. The king of the flop, the goofy hair... He wasn't good, but he somehow had a great game against us, and it ruined a number one seed pit team. Dylan, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's the one who uh, who got fouled coming down with a rebound. Yep, heaved a Robinson, full, yeah. like pretended he was heaving a full court shot and got three at the charity strike for it. Believe did they give him three shots for that? They may have only given him two. It might have been the bonus, but either way, it was 
he had been flopping all game, and that was He's like, been flopping all tournament. I remember specifically like a five-minute compilation of his flops that entire March Madness. It, you can hear it. I'm just upset. I might just swing at David right now. And that... Please do. That Butler team ended up going to the national championship, losing in the national championship. But Pitt had them on the ropes, and scumbag Howard, uh, you know, yeah. his actions will always be remembered. That's a good pick. Um, but I think we have plenty of honorable mentions to just kind of wrap it up. That was through. personal. <laughs> Other Pitt fans, I'm sure you have like 75 between mm-hmm. the next, but uh, that's personal. Speaking of personal, Dabo Swinney. Took a lot of restraint yeah. not to name him, <laughs> uh, but I, I think he's got to be up there. I put Brian Kelly on here basically only because he's the head coach of Notre Dame yep. and he killed a kid. So Well, he was the coach at Cincinnati whenever... True. Yeah, I there. mean that's and he's just generally like an unlikable dude. Yes, I I think he's a great honorable mention. Jim Beheim also oh, killed a guy. He did. Um, so fun, funny enough, two three zone. Funny enough, the two guys that are are directly correlated with the uh, deaths didn't even crack our top twelve. But, <laughs> but Jim's son made it for just being like pretty good at basketball and like annoyed Caucasian. <laughs> Um, Tino Sinceri. Oof. I I really wanted to take him with number four. I just wanted to appease our crowd of, like, pit dads by going with Peterson. It's a weird thing. Like, in hindsight, people are pretty... Think positively of Tino, but there's never been a player during the time that I've heard more complaining about. He... Like, ranting about. It's crazy. He played on some mediocre pit teams, and he was a lightning rod for every bad thing that happened. Uh, and I, I think that was because, um, well, well, one allegedly saw himself as a bit of a big man on campus and behaved accordingly uh, around other Pitt students. Um, but also, that guy held onto the ball for what he felt like. <laughs> Throw the ball away, Tino. Throw the ball away, Tino Sincere. That The one backyard brawl in West Virginia where it was like, all right, two-minute drill, boys, and Tino just holding onto the ball for eight seconds and taking like 15 yard sacks his his legacy is remembered more fondly than I think people felt about him at the time yeah uh, but he I, I remember being young like a, pretty young when he was playing for Pitt and it was palpable the way Pitt fans felt about him so uh, Tino's junior year 61 sacks oh my gosh like yes the line had to have been horrid but I mean you gotta keep in mind. You gotta adjust. Keep in mind, uh, Pitt has led the NCAA in sacks in the last three years with like forty apiece in the forties. Yeah. Imagine Pitt's defense now facing that Pitt team every game. How many sacks do they get? A hundred. Tanis and Sierra would leave in a body bag. <laughs> uh, do, do you guys have a few more? Because I might just rattle them off. Go rapid fire. Uh, Dana Holgerson. Terrible haircut. Trace McSorley. Terrible tattoo. Bob Huggins. Terrible attire. I have Trace McSorley a second time. Still a bad tattoo? Yeah, still horrible. Terrible chin strap. Oh, awful chin strap. Uh, Mark Madden. Because he, he went on another tirade this week where, like, oh, yeah. he, he was he got rain, old, 
he was he was ranting about how Pickett's still not going to be a first rounder, and he doesn't care that he was wrong about. He, he tweeted something asinine last year about. He said, "Yeah, Pickett is pretty good, but Pitt will still win six or seven games next year." Yeah, and his response to that was like, "I do not care. I do not care. It doesn't even matter. Pitt doesn't matter. I don't care." Which is hilarious that someone whose entire brand is like. I am never wrong. I'm the smartest person any of you have ever, like, seen or heard. Um, that is his response whenever someone's like, hey, remember that time you were, like, like almost intentionally wrong to try to rile people up? And he's just like, don't care. Didn't happen. Doesn't count. I also had uh, Ryan Switzer because he was, uh, an absolute, oh. he was an absolute pit killer, and then he parlayed that into being just a terrible stealer. So, <laughs> that's a good one. We should put him in the... the uh, from the Chappelle show, the player haters ball, where he's just like, hate, 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 double hate. I hate you. I hate you. <laughs> I don't even know you, and I hate your guts. <laughs> Pick it, deep drop. Throws it down the middle. Addison is out there, and he's got the catch inside the five. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Third of the night for Jordan Addison. This one from 34. All right, you guys want to talk a little bit about pit basketball? No. Pick it. Play action fake. Pick it. Throws the ball down the field, and the pass is caught. Wow. And that is Edison on his way. He's going to score a touchdown. And guess what? Edison said, no, my ball, my touchdown. Turn off the lights. The Panthers go to New York on Saturday to play the Syracuse Orangemen with the opportunity to secure Pitt's first 10-win regular season since 1981. Uh, Syracuse, as per usual, is not the most intimidating opponent. However, they do have a significant ability to move the ball on the ground thanks to uh, number 34, Sean Tucker, their running back. Uh, How much of our game plan will need to focus around him? Before we start talking about him as a football player, can we mention his tweets? Because they are, they're strange. I was hoping this would come up. Actually, it's one of my it's one of my favorite things. So, I don't know how I would feel about this if I was his teammate. Like after losses, he's just tweeting about his stat line. I have one here. He tweeted, "We lost to Boston College this week, sixteen to thirteen. I ran for fifty-two yards, four point seven yards per carry." and caught two passes for 34 yards. I was not happy with my performance and planned to work harder over the bye week. With three games left, I planned to finish strong and help Syracuse add games to the win column. He sounds like a robot. So, I mean, I don't want to take away from like how, how funny it is that he's tweeting this, but I have to think it's his dad or something. All those are typed up just like a like a 50-year-old man would... That's how 50-year-old fathers tweet. But, hey, if it is Sean Tucker, um, I don't know. I just love it at this point. <laughs> it's, it's what I look forward to, forward to after every Syracuse game. That'd be a really weird thing to tweet, like, one time. But I think he's dropped something similar. And he's put up some crazy stat lines. Yeah. So some of them are just like, I had 23 carries for 200 yards, two touchdowns, four receptions for 60 yards and a touchdown. But then they are all ended with however we did not come out victorious 
and I plan to work harder and ensure that we can get in that win column. Go Q's. Yeah, he always spins it to be like, I know I had 75% of our team's total yardage, but I could have done better. We'll get him next week, boys. Very humble of you. Yeah, it's it's weird. I'd be upset if I was his teammate just because, like, it's so weird. But I guess he's their only bright spot, so you got to let it slide. I, I can't put my finger on it, but all the tweets just read, like, guy who is entering the transfer portal the second this season ends. If he's smart. That is, that is clearly someone who really wants you to think he's a team guy, but is very concerned <laughs> with his individual performance. Or it's just his dad. Who knows? Needed mentioned. But, yeah, that's their offense. They give that guy the ball and he runs forward. Yeah, the whole idea of a Pat Narduzzi defense is designed about, around stopping the run, and Pitt is usually pretty successful with it. Um, so I feel pretty good about our chances. Uh, Sean Tucker has more rushing yards than Garrett Schrader has passing yards. They're starting quarterback. So, um, and their leading receiver on the season is Courtney Jackson, a Gateway alumni. So that's a Whippy old guy. Hello. Has 297 receiving yards okay. on the year. So, uh Jordan Addison had about two thirds of that last week, so uh, I don't think we'll I don't think we'll be too uh, scared of the aerial attack in, in the Carrier Dome next week. Narduzzi's whole defensive philosophy is make the other team one dimensional. This team is already one dimensional, and it favors our matchup. So in theory, this should be a game that uh, we just bottle up Syracuse. I'm sure Sean Tucker will do something, but. I mean, they're not going to consistently march up into the field on us. Well, since our podcast is nothing uh, if not an amalgamation of Pitt Twitter, uh, which one of us has to say <laughs> this feels like a game Pitt loses? It doesn't, but it you know we're just doing our jobs. This feels like a game Pitt will lose. Thank you, Dylan. Classic yeah. lockdown. Can't handle success. It doesn't feel like a game Pitt's going to take lightly. They know how much 10 wins would mean uh, to this program. And, I mean, even word that we've heard out of the program is that the intention is to uh, throttle this Syracuse game and, and go in. Um, you know, no one wants to sit out, you know, to stay healthy. They want they want to really take it to this team and send a warning shot across the ACC. What I think what I want to remind Pitt fans, because we're not used to being in these positions, no. is you don't do that in college football. You don't just rest starters because you clinch your division. This isn't the NFL where games don't matter. Every game matters for for uh, you know, for bowl games, for just overall um, eight wins is a million times better than seven wins. Nine wins, a million times better than eight. Ten, a million times better than nine. And ten wins is big. They haven't won yeah. ten regular season games in forty years. So you get number ten, you can get eleven. You get eleven and you get twelve. I think everybody's worried because the last time we were the Coastal, the following week we played Miami, who was a pretty good team, and we just got destroyed. Uh, I think a lot of people attribute that to the Jimmy Morrissey being hurt and the L-line just not being good enough to compete. Uh, we were also not that great of a team then. Like, we finished 7-7. Seven seven. We lost the last three games of the year. This year... We're on a roll. We are good, and we are not facing a good team. 
I don't want to say that this is the most important game of the year for Pitt because we're playing Syracuse. This is a this is a team that long ago pretty much had to punt on their season, and we are already in the ACC championship. Um, but there's obviously significance to this game through another lens. Pitt is Pitt is playing against Pitt history. Last week they were playing against the entire ACC Coastal for that right to represent us, uh, to represent the Coastal in the ACC championship. When they played Clemson, they weren't just playing against Clemson, they were playing against um, almost the idea of Clemson and, and the idea that the ACC is completely monopolized by this one brand. Uh, but I say, I'll say it again. This week, Pitt is playing against its own history, and I think that makes it not as significant as last week, not as significant as Clemson, but you you can't tell anyone that sports the royal blue and yellow that this game doesn't matter. This is a symbolic game. Yes. Just get 10. It's important. Go, go be 10-2. and two. Um, And, I mean, all these guys have NFL aspirations, have dreams of playing next level and every time you go out on the field that's time that's an opportunity to put more film out there for pro scouts Um, these guys want to play and they're going to go out and ball and I I would be very very surprised if Pitt doesn't just take care of business on Saturday would that be symbolic to you of a different Pitt team we talk about it every week this is this team different? Well, if they win this game, this this team is different than they. This is not the same old pit. Yeah, same same old pits. <laughs> nine and two, and just clinch the coastal for all of you, and for all of you still belly aching about those two losses. Go ch- find another team to cheer for, please. Because if your goal is, if your expectations for Pitt is the college football playoff, I promise you, you will never be happy. So <laughs> no. find something else. Not until they expand to 12 or 20 teams. Exactly. But, I mean, this is obviously a massive step in the right direction. So, yeah, if, if you're still looking for things to complain about, you are denying yourself something truly special. Most fun season I, I can remember. Absolutely. So let's assign some numbers to it. Uh, Pitt playing primetime in Syracuse, New York. What is the final score? And what does our guy Kenny Pickett end up with? I think, uh, like I said, I think Pitt will take care of business. I think they'll win comfortably, nothing crazy. Um, but I'm going to go with uh, 41-17 final. I think, Pitt, like I said, Pitt wins comfortably. Kenny Pickett's going to go out and throw a modest 310 yards, three touchdowns. And, uh, you know, might not be enough to boost him into the uh, Heisman frontrunner spot, but um, he'll finish the year with over, finish the regular season with over 4,000 passing yards, um, and honestly just absolute season for the ages, and then hopefully get into the next week against whoever that Atlantic division champion may be. I'm got a similar score. I think Syracuse is a solid defense. They've been formable this year, nothing crazy, but they're pretty good. And then I think Weird stuff always happens in the Carrier Dome because it's just a weird venue. Weird place. So, I'm still predicting a comfortable pit win, but I'm going to say um, 
to 16 pit. Uh, slight slow start, but as usual, the wheels start turning and the Panthers prevail. Can you pick it? Somebody asked Narduzzi today, like, hey, are you going to run it up with uh, picking an Addison, get him some extra stats? And he's like, we're just going to play football. Like, throw to the open guy, whatever. Yeah, it's a predictable answer. Yeah. I would love... I don't know if I believe him. But. I would love Pickett to just go all out, six touchdowns, but, I mean, especially since he was banged up a little bit last week. Might pump the brakes a bit. I'm going 26 for 35, uh, 320, three touchdowns. Yeah, I kind of have the same thought process, John. Um, I think there's really two ways it could go with Pickett. Um Narduzzi can say whatever he wants. I know he understands how important getting Kenny Pickett to the Heisman ceremony would be for Pitt's visibility and brand. Uh, So I think there's a possibility, even if he was a little banged up last week, that they just go full throttle, Guy Fieri V, um, 500 yards, four or five touchdowns. But then there's also the alternative where, you know, as much as, you know, the starters want to play, and as much as they want to make an example out of Syracuse uh, to ride that wave into the next week, realistically, if, if you go up two, three, four, um, well, not two, three, four, five scores on Syracuse, there's simply no reason to leave Kenny Pickett in that football game with Wake Forest or NC State or maybe even possibly Clemson on the horizon. Heisman voters don't care about what you're doing at Syracuse, but they'll take notice of a big game of the ACC championship game against whoever shows up. Right. So I, I would say the more likely outcome would be like 275 and three touchdowns, but in like the first two and a half quarters. So on top of that, I would say um, Pitt goes up heavy and then pumps the brakes a little bit, relies on the run game. I'll, uh, I'll go 52 to 16. <laughs> I love hearing those high numbers every week. High octane, baby. It was we were promised it. It was just delivered to us about ten years late. Please win. Be cool if we did. Pickett takes the knee, and that'll wrap it up. The Panthers win the Coastal Division and are headed to Charlotte for the ACC Championship football game. Thank you for tuning in to the Loyal Sons podcast brought to you by the Loyal Sons on Twitter. Follow us there and follow us here anywhere you listen to your podcast. The Loyal Sons LLC. Paperwork just went through. (laughs) We're a business now. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you this Saturday in Syracuse, New York, as the Pittsburgh Panthers travel to take on the Syracuse Orange in the Carrier Dome to move to 10-2 on the 2021 season. If you're making the trek up to New York this weekend to cheer on our Pitt Panthers, we salute you. We won't be able to make it to Syracuse this weekend, but we will be in Charlotte the following week. We just bought 16 tickets today. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for following us during this magical season. And as always, hail Royal Sons of Pitt. Please win. Take your pictures down